Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. President Alan McRae. Following his clear refusal to applaud the national team captain as Scott Brown held aloft the Scottish Cup, McRae went on to say of Celtic's historic invincible treble that hopefully it won't happen again, otherwise it will get very boring and dreary. If that wasn't enough, McRae went on to upset another vast section of the Scottish football support by exclaiming that the game definitely needs a good strong Rangers and all of this from a powerful and surely impartial member of the SFA's board. We felt that these comments should be challenged, and at the lack of any action by other media outlets to do so, we requested an interview with Mr McRae. Somewhat surprisingly, he accepted our invitation, and we spoke to the SFA president last week to take him to task over his comments about our club. Here is what Alan McRae had to say. Sure. Uh, I mean, I've got to be honest, I haven't seen all the... I never saw all the papers, because, you know, I can't... I can't other than the... Other than actually reports and matches, I can't... I sometimes tend not to bother looking at them, but I just about that. Uh, no, basically, I, I had a, an interview after the, the AGM mm-hmm. with, the, with the Sundays. Uh, I, I did the Sundays, and, um, you know, I... So I've quoted some of the opening statements in terms of, uh, you know, I think, you know, the game should be talked up a bit because over the year I've seen, I've seen a lot of games, you know, including Celtic, that's all, all Celtic's uh, home European ties, plus a, a couple others against Aberdeen, yes. both at uh, Blackhead and Petodri. And, and as I say, I, I, I made a point of probably seeing an average 90, 100 games, at least 80 uh, a season uh, all different levels and you know I've seen a lot of good football being played both here and in Europe yeah. because you know as well as I do some delegate work, you have to delegate work in uh, Champions League, Europa League, I'm also sitting with tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow Glasgow, tomorrow 
unbelievable season for something to, to go through the, 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 the championship, Scottish Cup and League Cup undefeated, as well as that, you know, qualify for the year. Uh, to qualify for the, the, the group stages uh, is a great achievement and, you know, so the schemes I said, you know, and uh, something did well. So I made all that point and it was particularly, you know, considering the, the Lisbon Lions, the first year, it was, you know, it was very appropriate that they, they achieved that in the same year, 50, 50 years later. Yes. I, I would talk from there to say that, you know, but the reality is, you know, they, they won the league by over 30 points. Uh, no one there to give them a real challenge. I mean, the point that, uh, you know, it's the Rangers and that hopefully they will be able to, in time, uh, put up a decent challenge to... Uh, the advent of social media really Alan, is that these comments are, are reported uh, you read about them on the Sunday or the Monday um, and they're filed away but when when the, the comment was made regarding um, the fact that it, it would be boring this kind of exploded on social media and um, so, well, I, just, well, I, understand. I don't do social media <laughs> well the, the thing with that is these comments are then, before you know it, you know they're being viewed by hundreds of thousands of people. And then the, 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 there may be this attitude that it's a slight on the achievements of Brennan Rodgers, and you've cleared that up. Yeah, because, yeah, because you have said that it's a fantastic achievement. I think the, the, the biggest issue is it was such an achievement. Um, Celtic supporters would be very surprised if it was to happen again next season uh, and we, we totally realise that and we'd relish any kind of challenge um, however, the, the fact with, with regards to um, the, the direct quote was that hopefully it won't happen again um, what I think I'd like to do is just clarify that, that this is something that came across perhaps to myself and the Celtic supporting community, people that maybe write and um, do podcasts etc that you know, 
you are at such a level of SFA and you need to be completely transparent and it's almost as if you don't want Celtic to have that achievement next season however oh no that's, that's not the case everybody. you know the point I've made and, you know I, the, I think the point I've made is hey listen good luck to something because they can do that they can do that every season but you know I would like, I'd like to see trophies and, and leagues spread about and and I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll support something 100% when they're playing in Scotland. They play, play in European trophies mm-hmm. uh, for Scotland. Uh, I wouldn't be winning every game. They can't. Like I would any other club, any other club in Scotland, you know, sure. they're doing well in Europe, brilliant, you know? Sure. Uh, I think the challenge, the challenge you mentioned, Alan, um, even from a Celtic supporter's perspective, uh, it is welcomed. I think it's a great... Um, result that Derek McInnes is staying on at Aberdeen because I believe that there's a huge amount of momentum there and potential for that club to increase um, that that kind of you know the achievements they've already had they've already been in you know, silverware over the last five years as have the, the, you know teams like Inverness, Cali, Thistle, Ross County etc and I think it is good that these teams have sampled that success because obviously the fans can start to yeah, perhaps come back to the games, the ones that have stayed away, etc. But in terms of the challenge, even going back to uh, the, the last period of dominance that Celtic had, the challenge was so fierce that Celtic were able to go into Europe and compete with these teams, rather than you know playing a lot of teams that maybe were substandard, Alan, and then coming up against a Man City or a, a Bruce and Gladbach and finding it difficult. So I, I get what you're saying, I really do. And the challenge that uh, hopefully we'll have next season there are quite a few teams, I think. Well, you need, you need challenges because at the end of the day, look, look, look at a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, something, free branded, something wasn't perform uh, as, as they should be, you know, getting knocked, you know, irrespective of the FC decisions that, you know, getting knocked out of the cops and, and things like that. Yeah, they were winning the league, but they won the, you know, the, 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 the season ticket holders were down, the fans turning up and the games were down. I mean, there was a was a spell there for a couple of years that it, it was it wasn't the something. You know what I mean? No, I, yeah. I mean, the last couple of years previous to Brendan Rodgers, it was a different, it was a completely different experience. Alan, certainly going to watch Celtic. Um, I think what you'll find, Celtic fans generally in the club, um, will not view uh, you know every discussion as coming round to mentioning Rangers because they're very much. Uh, focus on their own backyard of the like and, and that's something I've noticed certainly since uh, you know Rangers came into the Premier League uh, recently but I think the quote that, that may have been the most inflammatory quote if you like Alan was we definitely need a good strong Rangers and just some of the trophies I mentioned there you know St Johnson and well, S. That's, that's my view and I'll stick by with you you know listen you've got to remember I'm here in a city in Aberdeen mm-hmm. and you know, it's totally different from the city of Glasgow, which is green and blue, you know? Yes. And I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll confront the comment, and I, and I think I'm quite right in what I've said. And, you know, I understand the Celtic fans with the, the, uh, the club to win everything, uh, season in, season out, and being new season in, season out. But me, I, I want to 
I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm entitled to meet you. And you certainly are. Like, certainly any, are. Of your, any of the hundreds of thousands of self that support us. No, you're, you're more than entitled to your view, Alan. I, I do agree with you. What I would say, though, is that whilst the Premier League did not have a club playing out of Ibrox, some of these smaller, more provincial clubs, um, you know, won silverware like St Johnson, like Ross County and Vanessa Cali Fussell. Yeah. And these teams certainly wouldn't say that they de definitely need a strong Rangers because they, for me, we were told about uh, a mooted Armageddon, you know, after the events of 2012. Yeah. And there's many clubs and many supporters like myself who, who don't feel that that was the case. You know, a lot of these teams have, have actually... Uh, you know, prospered uh, with there being no team playing out of Ibrox. And that, that, I think, is the argument. You know, do Celtic need a strong Rangers? Well, the, the fact that we've been so good in the last year is down to one man. And, and the fact that the fans have fought back... Oh, it's amazing that comes around. You think, but you really think that, you know, it's not just two or three players that came out, but the majority of the players are the same players. And it's just a hunger and the desire. Yeah. You can see that here. And they have done it. They have done it with half a core of half a dozen Scottish lads, uh, not all of whom have come through the Celtic ranks, but you know, guys like Stuart Armstrong who has is you know fulfilled his potential over the last year and he's looked great at international level as well. Um, and again I would applaud that and I take all your points on board. Alan. Now, now, one thing, um, and I must apologise because you came to my attention after, and you say you don't use social media, but it was after one of the most memorable Scottish Cup draws last season with someone who I think is a friend of yours, Rod Stewart, is that right? Uh, is he a pal of yours? <laughs> yes, I've known Rod since 1985, the first 1985, the night of John Sneed died. All right. We were together at the, uh, the uh, Carbon. Now that, that, that was phenomenal. That, that was a phenomenal, uh, people said it was embarrassing, I, th I found it hilarious. What, what, what exactly was the story with that, Alan? Was there a few share bits taken before the, the, the yeah, cut drop? I think he had a, I think he's had a, uh, about a lunch he normally done a few hours at work, but <laughs> he was fine, the fact, he did, you know, the fact he knew me, and the fact that we had a problem uh, a year past, one of the goals split in that, you thought he was going to have, you thought it was, well, it was, I found it hilarious to be fair, and uh, I know that you don't do social media, but it spread like wildfire. Um, now, the other thing, I'm passionate about Scottish football as much as I am about my club, um, and I hope, hopefully that's coming across here. I'm not just, you know, got the blinkers on in terms of my own club and, and forget about everyone else. However, there has been there has been developments in the last few weeks in relation to uh, information and evidence that's come out on the Craig White trial, Alan. Uh, you're at a very, um, you know, superior level within the SFA. Is there going to be any statement in relation to this new evidence that's come out? I, I can't make any comment on that. You know, it's, you know, anything that's live in Glasgow, we only make comment on. No, I respect that. That's fine, and I, I totally respect that. Because it's something that's live, and I can't comment. 
Okay. And you say that it will be Stuart Reagan that, that will come, come out and give an official statement if indeed that is what the SFA decides to do. I look forward to that um, statement when it arrives, Alan. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for your discussion today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I really have. Um, and okay. you know, could you imagine if, could you imagine if we, if we had four teams on a par with something? Wow. Well, that's this is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
hoping here's hoping Alan but again thank you so much for your time today I've thoroughly enjoyed that and hopefully we can speak again at some point in the future so Kevin what are your thoughts on Alan McRae's insistence to stick by his original comments does this show impartiality in your view I think it there's maybe no impartiality maybe that's a, a strong word I think it just shows the mindset of the SFA and the SPFL where everything's done for commercial reasons yeah. and I think everything since 2012 has been done for commercial reasons you look at Mr McCray's history and started off as a player then the chairman at Cove Rangers he was the president of the Highland League he was a council member of the SFA. He's currently the president of the, 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 the SFA. He sits on a couple of boards. The main board, the professional game board and the non-professional game board. He sits on the board with guys like Ralph Totten, Mike Mulraney, Tom Johnson, Barry Jackson, Gary Hughes. <laughs> Big names in Scottish football, I'm sure we all agree. What what what? What's the structure of the SFA? What's the structure of these boards? The boards are there. On the SFA website it says for corporate strategy and top line decision making. Right. What does that mean? Is Alan McRae qualified or is he just a jumped up bowling club committee member who's now it was his turn to get the seat at the top table? Scottish football has been commercialised beyond... Football's been commercialised since 1992. TV money. What the SFA and the SPFL are trying to do is protect 40,000 season ticket holders and 5,000 away fans. I understand that. Me and, me and one in captains a couple of weeks ago met Neil Doncaster as well and he virtually says the same thing not about having a strong Rangers he says but competition brings more sponsorship, more money into the game Right. maybe Mr McRae has been a bit mealy mouthed about the way that he said it mm-hmm. but the sentiments are no different it's all to do with money the problem that you do have is if the, deci- if the decisions that they're making seem to favour one club and there's a very big argument that has happened since 2012 and obviously with what came out at the Craig White trial and the Resolution 12 boys as well who have discovered that there's maybe a bit dubiety about a European licence being given the, the, the season that Craig White took over Yeah. when the decisions start to favour one team then you've got a problem. Then there's a lack of governance, a lack of transparency. You have a look what's happening just now. What what came out of the Craig White trial was very clear from a limited understanding there. Donald Finlay basically says that David Murray and the board at that point drove Rangers into the rocks. They were already going into the rocks before Craig White got involved. There's now what the Resolution 12 boys are trying to uncover or get the SFA to admit that 
they helped that European licence knowing full well the financial catastrophe that would have hit Scottish football. As I've said at the start of this, everything since 2012 has been done for wholly commercial reasons. Yes. You've got the new club, old club, it's for a cash cow. That's all it is. It doesn't stand up to any sort of scrutiny whatsoever. It's all because... I mentioned names on the board there. I mentioned Mr McRae. Now, Mr McRae could be qualified. I don't know what he does in his professional life. I don't know what he'd done before he was a player with Cove Rangers or the chairman of Cove Rangers. But are these the guys to run a professional game? A professional game that's worth millions and millions of pounds. In 2012, the desperation to keep a Rangers alive... Was it just because none of them had the brains, the intelligence, the work experience to go, let's reboot Scottish football? Like, this is a great time to get away from the status quo, the two teams, and move forward. On Wednesday, we've got the, the EBT appeal. Yeah. Again, that, this could open another can of worms. We, we spoke to... Mean one and captain spoke to the SPFL, Neil Doncaster and Ian Blair. We didn't go on to speak about this. We went into we went in to speak about away ticket allocations and TV deals, but this came up in conversation. And as far as the SPFL are concerned, that no matter the result of the EBT appeal, there will be no further action against Rangers or the previous incarnation of Rangers yeah. the, as far as they're concerned the Lord Nemo Smith inquiry was it Stands. Rangers were found guilty of misregistering players and that's it that's, that was all the terms of that, that inquiry what we know is that Celtic have parked resolution 12 until the Craig White trial was finished and the EBT appeal has passed. So from Wednesday onwards, it will be interesting to see if Celtic will then comment and take this forward, depending on the result of the EBT. So that was a decision that was made maybe six months ago, seven months ago. They will wait until the end of these trials and these inquiries and the appeals etc from, from what I've been told it was yeah. parked in December mm-hmm. but again it's all commercial decisions everything even our club would probably make a commercial decision and I think maybe what's been holding back the resolution 12 stuff has been the commercial aspect mm-hmm. will the club comment if it's a new club old club same club an old golf club who knows but they can sell tickets at £49. They can sell out their stadium. Yeah. They can sell DVDs of a demolition derby. I think it kind of answers itself, eh? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. One thing that I did attempt was to get some kind of clarity over whether or not there was going to be a statement by the SFA in relation to the new evidence that arose from the Craig White trial. Um, I think Mr McRae was quite non-committal in his answers. Do you think that uh, the SFA will hide behind the wall of silence or will a statement be made? Well, you look at the statement that was made by 
Stuart Reagan when Craig White was found not guilty. He says, I'll charge you with bringing the game into disrepute. Well, the man's barred for getting involved in Scottish football ever again. So why are you charging a guy who's now just been found not guilty for bringing the game into disrepute? Who brung the game into disrepute? Maybe that's a question that he should be asking himself. And the evidence that came out in the Craig White trial kind of pointed in a certain direction who was bringing the game into disrepute at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Now, whilst Al McRae may wish for an exchange of power within Scottish football, I'm sure I speak for a lot of our listeners when I say that I look forward to the same levels of success this season as we enjoyed in the last campaign. So, Kevin, uh, was spiritualised a band that sparked your interest back in the 90s? They did. Um, my two cousins who got me into music, I, I need to mention them because I know that the listen, Gary and Scott, uh, were massive Spacemen Free fans. And I remember my, Gary had the T-shirt for all the children who have effed up in the world, we give you the Spacemen Free. And I always wanted that T-shirt, but uh, I never got it. So I was aware of the Spacemen Free. When Spiritualised released Laser Guided Melodies, it was about when I got my first CD player the two C- first two CDs that I bought were Blur, Leisure that we've already spoke about mm-hmm. and Laser Guided Melodies it was the first CD that I bought I never really I loved that album I loved Pure Phase after it but again last week the 20th of June it was 20 years since Ladies and Gentlemen The Floating right? in Space came oh. out mm-hmm. um, and I remember couple of weeks before it came out we went to see them at the garage in Glasgow and it was a fantastic gig, really fantastic gig and I think I must have saw them 15, 16, 17 times between then and the track that you played was on uh, Let It Come Down the four years in between that they were a fantastic live band up there with the Primal Scream at that time as the best live band kicking about I also saw I saw them in Edinburgh doing the Flux Festival. And when I say them, Spiritualised is basically Jason Pierce. And it was just Jason, an orchestra and a choir. And it was fantastic. And I think you can hear that influence and Let It Come Down. Mm-hmm. Let It Come Down is a very stripped back, it's almost a pop album for them if you like. Very lush textures, very relaxing. It was recorded at Abbey Road. And I think you can hear what he done live in the Flux Festival fed into that fed into that album definitely. Something of a genius is Mr. Pierce, isn't he? Musically. Musically, yes. Uh, like most geniuses, he's got his flaws. Yeah. Um, and very much a perfectionist as well. Mm-hmm. I last saw him two years ago at the Liverpool uh, Psych Fest. He done a set, and at that point, it was rumoured that a new album was coming but we're still two years down the line and there's still no album forthcoming and he's just wrote, just announced a couple of dates in Australia where he's touring ladies and gentlemen Right, that's his cash cow yeah. that's his cash cow I think so we might get a new spiritualised album before this SFA statement <laughs> now I do remember um, years ago I attended a very small intimate gig by his former bandmate Sonic Boom and it was in the secret bunker in Fife so secret that it's signposted on the main road 
but it was an, a very, very memorable gig. Everybody sat down on the floor with their legs crossed and watched this this noise, which was, uh, as I say, one of the best gigs I've been to, probably. Now, music is synonymous with supporting Celtic, Kevin, as you know. That's why we talk about it so much. And many of our greatest terrorist chants have been shared with Liverpool FC. Now, I've recently finished reading The Truth by Phil Scratton, which is a must-read for anyone interested in social justice. It brought tears of anger, distress and eventually joy to my eyes. Last week, six people were charged with criminal offences over the 96 deaths um, in the Hillsborough disaster and the alleged police cover-up that followed. Kevin, what are your thoughts on these developments and the special bond that we have with Liverpool? It's been that long since Hillsborough, almost, almost 30 years now, and the fact that these families are still seeking justice is frightening. It's really scary in this modern time. The criminal charges is just going to bring an awful lot of it back for them, but having, uh, having heard the family speak about it, it's something that they want, something that they need to give definite closure. For me, the cover-up deserves to be criminalised. The people who covered up got the police to change their statements yes. deserves to be criminalised. I don't think I know about know enough about Duckinfield's decisions that day to comment whether he should be charged, whether it was just a um, whether he should be charged for his alleged decisions at that point, and also, but again, it's all, it's all allegations that all come out in court. Um, but just for the families, I hope the families get peace eventually, mm-hmm. get closure. I remember the Hullsborough game quite clearly. I remember buying tickets in uh, B&Q in Stirling. Uh, I skipped school in the morning and went and got the tickets. I remember what I remember about the game is I took an inflatable crocodile, which was <laughs> to the Celtic Liverpool game, which was the fad at the times. Uh, inflatables going to the football for us of a certain vintage was a was a thing. And I remember my dad saying to me, didn't he take it? It's no that type of game. And I went, no, I'm taking it. And we were standing in the queue in Janefield Street waiting to get in. And there was uh, Liverpool fans behind us. And uh, they loved it. They loved the fact that they were going to the football again. And here was this young kid who didn't think nothing about it, was going to see a great Liverpool side, a fantastic Liverpool side. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to seeing Barnes, Douglas, Ian Rush, Beardsley, the whole lot. I turned up with an inflatable crocodile. And looking back on it, I can see my dad's point. Uh, but they loved it. They loved the fact that they were going back to the football. And that day, they never walk alone that day. Fantastic. And... I always had a soft spot for Liverpool anyway. Growing up in the 80s, there was a big Scottish contingent at Liverpool. They were also very successful. But I think Hillsborough, who else was Liverpool going to play? What city were they going to play that game? Glasgow was a natural fit. Celtic were a natural fit. Um, We made some good friends that day. It was a... 
the following year there was a group of uh, Liverpudlians came up from the Quiet Man pub in Liverpool for the 1990 Cup final uh, so I I think Celtic and Liverpool are sort of joined um, it's apart from you never walk on I know the, the origins you never walk on who sung it first is a bit of online banter and also the start of the relationship between Celtic and Liverpool wasn't the best yeah. in the Cup Winner Cup game in 1965 but we're I think we're like Scousers I think we've got the same mindset I think the Celtic support are knowledgeable like the Liverpool support they appreciate good football and understand the game a bit more than some other fans they were a bit more knowledgeable We've also got the politics, we've also got music, we've also got the Irish roots, the Irish, the Irish yeah. roots of the club as well. The cities. the cities are very similar. It's a perfect fit. I think so. The first game I ever went to, the first ever Celtic game I went to, was the Tommy Bond's testimonial, once again against Liverpool. And at that stage, I must admit, I wasn't a big Liverpool fan, I didn't really know the history of the club, um, but my big brother was. But ever since then, I've always had this affinity. Um, to Liverpool and I think it was rubber stamped after the Hillsborough game but you're right yeah back in the 60s the Celtic fans threw bottles glass bottles on the pitch and one of the young boys I think he was maybe a ball boy got a hit in the head he was comatosed and thankfully he pulled through that but when the Liverpool fans came up to Glasgow they were welcomed with open arms and, and the Celtic fans really took them uh, to our hearts back then you also had the Shankly Steen relationship mm-hmm. Canada, we've gone down there, mm-hmm. and of course Brendan Rodgers now managed both clubs. So I think, uh, yeah, that long may that relationship and that friendship continue. Um, another another thing I wish to speak to you about, Kevin, is over the last few weeks you've had your very own hand in hat trick, where you've attended the National Stadium on three different occasions for three very different events. Um, and I would just like to hear about your own hand in hat trick. Aye, well, obviously the first one uh, was Tom Rodich. That's a moment of a Celtic generation. We've discussed this before. That's a moment of a generation. I don't think, I can't think of a better Hamden moment since the centenary season, a last-minute winner at Hamden. It could also be said it was the greatest Celtic moment at Hamden. Might be. It's up there. That's it. It's definitely up there, yeah. In my 30 odd years watching Celtic, I can't remember when it meant so much. Had so much riding on it, and it was absolutely Just fantastic. That emotion, you know. The second one was obviously Lee, Lee Griffiths' free kicks against England, especially the second one. I, I kind of, the, my, my mate that I go to the, the, the Scotland games with Grant, he's a Rangers fan. So we got to set the Scotland games together, eh? And I was talking to him the week after the, the Lee Griffiths setting goal. And he was going, it was his greatest ever moment at a football game. Even better. And he mentioned a couple of things where I thought they were really terrible moments in football. But And he says, surely it was yours as well. And I was like... Well, no, the Tom Rogers goal the, week, the, the two weeks before was up there for me. Then I had John Hartson scoring at Anfield when I was in the cop. That was a bit better. And he went, 
you're just not going to admit that. Eh? So he, he, he was quite disappointed in me that it wasn't as high. But when you have a look at that Lee Griffiths goal, it is a moment in Scottish Scottish football history now. It's up there with Douglas scoring against Spain, McFadden scoring in Paris. Yes. The SFA released a, a YouTube and it was of people f- videoing the celebrations when Griffiths scored the second goal. And it's everywhere. It's in the ground, it's in pubs, it's in Australia, it's in America. And it's utterly amazing. It's, it's a momentous moment that that I don't think Hamden will see again. Since Hamden's been rebuilt for a Scotland game anyway, eh, I don't think Hamden's seen a, seen a Scotland moment like that. It's not, right. it's not something as great as that that will be replayed for years and generations to come and you were there and you've seen it in the flesh. Uh, it was it was a great moment, absolutely. A, quite a surreal moment like when, when it left his foot because I was behind it. Uh, but then again, you just did a typical Scotland thing and the equalise and that's it. The third one was last week, uh, the Stone Roses gig at, at Hamden. Again, there was a lot of doubts and moans about uh, Hamden as a venue for a gig. Those that have been there to watch football in it, Kenneth Hamden's no fit for purpose, so why it was going to be any different for a gig is as be, how people would think it was going to be any different for a gig is beyond me. It turns out it's possibly the last ever Stone Roses gig. Yeah. Um, Ian Brown's got some solo stuff to do, some contractual solo stuff that he needs to get done. It looks like, with the rumours anyway, it looks like the drummer wasn't interested in recording. Um, That's a shame. It's a big shame. I thought we were going to get a third album. There's a few rumours. I mean, we can only deal with rumours, and I'm sure Ian Brown's interviews will be interesting for his solo stuff when it comes out, if he does bring it up. Uh, One of the main things is what I learned reading on quite a few of the message boards, and there's a a couple of guys on the message boards that you do know, that know them. Right. And about ten days ago, one of them started posting, this is it. I said, there's no more. Uh, Ian and Rennie are just not seeing eye to eye. Ian wants to record new stuff. Rennie doesn't. Rennie has problems with arthritis. Doesn't want to go and sit in a studio. He, str- he, he struggles to do the live gigs apart from oh, li- right. uh, apart from taking heavy duty painkillers. Right. So he's no interested. They're going in the studio. He's no interested in the promotion. Brown's quite a creative guy, six solo albums in 11 years, so I can probably see how in the last five years he's been itching at the bit to get stuff out. They released All For One and Beautiful Thing. Seemingly Rennie doesn't play on Beautiful Thing, he never turned up for the session. It was you that told me that. Very surprising, because of the two songs, that was the one that really I took to. It's rumoured that he never turned up for the session. So did they have a session drummer in, or was it on a loop? Or It was on a loop. Right. Um, also, for this tour, it was rumoured that they had another drummer ready for rehearsals because they didn't know if Rennie was going to turn up. Can I work like that? No, especially when a lot of money involved in it. So that's... This, this is the thing. And that, when you look back at Made of Stone, the, the Shane Meadows documentary, there was a lot of tension in that. 
it didn't seem to be between although Brown made the comment live on stage didn't he um, about Rennie and he was dashing off after gigs straight away and there seemed to be a bit of tension back then but I just hoped and prayed for a new album mm. um, if everything you say is true it's very unfortunate but I look forward to the, the new Ian Brown LP because I've, I've been a massive fan of all his soul stuff mm-hmm. it'll, uh, be in, it'll be interesting to see who he's worked with for what he's been telling people that he's got about 90 songs wow. written mm-hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see who he chooses to work with because he's worked with Dave McCracken on virtually all his soul albums yeah. so it'll be interesting to see if any Squire or Manny get it'd on good. the it'd be good you know even for a couple of tracks mm-hmm. have, you, have you heard a Squire guitar lick or, or Manny you know the, the gig as well there seemed to be a freedom the way that they played Um there was an attitude, there was an energy, there was a bit of a swagger. It was almost as if the pressure had been lifted off them. Mm-hmm. And Manny, his face when he started, I want to be adored, it wasn't a panic, it was genuine upset that it was maybe going through his mind, this is the last is time it? I'm going to do this with this band. And after Resurrection as well, he was visibly upset. Really, that kind of gave it away. Also, Ian Brown singing the refrain for a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, but it's time to say bye-bye over and over again, eh? And his comment before eh, she bangs the drums, don't, don't be sad it's ending, but be, be grateful it, it happened as well. Mm-hmm. But I never usually film at gigs. I'm usually against filming at gigs. Eh, but they made a... The Made of Stone that they done that night was the best version of Made of Stone I've ever actually heard. And I had to start filming it. it was the, the, there was something in the air when the guitar lick started. It, it was magical, absolutely magical. It was better, sorry Grant, it was better than Lee Griffiths. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, the thing with the Roses is they've always had that connection with Scotland, be it early gigs in Greenock, um, mm-hmm. Glasgow Green. Squire and Brown used to come up here to write. They used to go to Elphinstone, which they reckon was um, the reason they, they wrote Elephant Stone. I didn't uh, they used that. to come up I and, and they've always been fond of coming up to Scotland. Hopefully one day we can get Manny on this show. That would be brilliant. Um, and we can ask him a few questions. Now, now that we're speaking about music, Kevin, this is a, a nice link to bring us up to the closing track of today's show. Could you tell us a wee bit about this band and why you've chosen them? This is a kind of late substitution because I was going to play Made of Stone, but next week's guest kind of stole my thunder with his musical choices, so I had to kind of ch- change it. And it was an easy change. Uh, I've picked Mogwai and Culverine, which is from their new album Every Country's Son which is out in uh, September, I think it's out in September. It's produced by Dave Friedman, who produced uh, Mercury Rev and the Flaming Lips, who we spoke about last week as well. He also produced Rock Action by Mogwai in two, 2000. I wasn't really a big Mogwai fan until about six, seven years ago, when I got more into electronic music. Then I realised I saw Mogwai live, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I've been missing. I've, I've missed something here. Really, really missed something." So they're now one of my favourite bands. Are you um, going to see them in December at the Hydro? Um, I haven't got a ticket yet. I probably will. Ride are supporting them as well, which makes it a a good gig, a good night. 
Uh, I went to see them last year at the Edinburgh Festival where, when they'd done Atomic and they played the documentary. Uh, there was a big screen and they played underneath the big screen. That was quite powerful, really. It, it, was, a, it was a piece of performance art. It wasn't a live gig. Right. Uh, they have, they are, one of the best ever gigs I saw at the Barrowlands was Mogwai on their 20th anniversary tour. Uh, that, that night, they nearly blew the roof off the place. When they were doing My Father, My King, their last song, I think it lasted about 20 minutes. And when you just thought it couldn't go any louder, any louder, it just, Mr. Braithwaite just kept on standing on a pedal and it just seemed to take it up, up, up. I think my ears rang for about three days after that. It was superb, really, really good. So, aye, this is a new song, Culverine. Um Network.